Hi, I'm Keaton. And I'm Laura. And this is Withness. That's right. That's what this is. And we are here to right a wrong today. Uh-oh. Um, I have had this feeling since we started this podcast that in that very first episode, my focus was really on the people who weren't with me, at least in my brain a little bit. I have felt like I overemphasized the pain of that. And I think I even talk about it in the in our conversation that I feel like my tendency is to notice the people who weren't there instead of the people who were. And so we're going to correct that today. With Blum. With Blum, yeah. And I should say that he, he, so we're talking to John Blum, who was one of my dad's coworkers and good friends. And I learned him first as Blum. So I just call him that all the time. I didn't know his name was John. <laughs> yeah, now you know. Yeah, you met him too. I sure did. And called him Blum. Uh, what's funny about that is that I think as he and my dad got to be more and more close, my dad started calling him by his first name and then eventually called him Johnny. But it, because Blum is the first name I learned him by, that's just what I say, is Blum. So we're talking to John Blum. He is husband to Kelly. He is a father and a stepfather. And one of his roles is host. I think that's a, an important thing to know about him going in is that he and his wife love to just have people over for dinner, for drinks. Uh, they're very good at just making space for other people to step into. And so the more I've learned about him, the more I know that what he did for my dad and, and my mom and friendship was something he has a habit of doing. And I just thought it would be good to talk to him because he did show up a lot in our family story over the last several years. And I think of him as a sort of expert in witness. And so I thought it was worth talking to him about. Um, Keaton, has you listened in on our conversation? Were there any things you noticed? So in this episode, Blum's innate ability to capture witness really shines through. And you guys talk about it a little bit. The time that I met Blum was at a Columbus crew game. And I think it's kind of fun to notice it was their note that it was their opening game and they won five to nothing. So it was a really <laughs> fun game to be a part of right out of the gate. Like he just had a really good way of making making me feel like I was a part of the, a part of the fun. Like I was a part of all the inside jokes. We took, everybody took photos together and he just really captured the moment in a way that felt intimate and special. And like we were doing something together. So he just really seems to organically step into witness out of his essence. Yeah. I think it's, it's almost, he does it so naturally that I think it's actually kind of hard for him to even articulate how he does it, but I just wanted to try anyway. And Part of this story is he was with me through like one of the hardest days of my life. And so I wanted him to sit with me and just go over that story. One of the things that was interesting is just hearing how it looked to him. Because I think one of the gifts of witnessing with people <laughs> is that they help us keep a good account of what happens. They help us see it clearly. And so sitting down with him was healing healing for me too to hear how those days felt to him uh part way through our conversation he hijacked it so you're gonna hear him <laughs> i think it was hard for him to just like sit and answer my questions because he is a host and so he wanted to drive a little bit he truly becomes the the host of the podcast right. halfway through it's we, awesome <laughs> we took a halfway break and he was like now i have a few questions and so hopefully what came out of us kind of sitting down and and talking through those days 
it can be a gift to the rest of us to to just figure out how to be a little more like Johnny Bloom. Yeah, I'd love to encourage you as you're listening to just pay attention to the specificity with which like Lauren Blum get to share this experience. It just shows how much they were in it together. And it was really a gift to be able to hear what that can look like when we um, are in it for the long haul with our with our friends. Yeah. So here's uh, my story has told through the eyes of Johnny Blum. I want to start with you just telling me about your friendship with my dad. What I remember is hearing like every once in a while I would just hear stories about you. And uh, one time when dad tried to articulate your guys' friendship, he said he just kept liking me. I try not to let people do that, but he did. Does that match your description? Uh, I was persistent, yes. (laughs) I was. We had... um, a history because he knew my father um, back in the 60s when they both started. And um, he wanted to say that then eventually when my son became a carrier, that he trained three generations of Blums. So, Yeah, that sounds like something he would take pride was, in. It, he did. But no, since we had that history and I had already seen him at the miniature golf with your mom. So that that we had a little bit of history so it it definitely helped um when i started there so yeah he um i'd say he took me under his wing made me feel comfortable for sure that's surprising (laughs) in his way because he has such a great sense of humor and his like you know the the minutiae that he has he loved to be able to share things and so and especially because at that time he was very raw from um, your sister's passing that he used humor quite a bit. Yeah. I wonder if you could just talk about like, cause he is like, he will, he would like plan conversations with people sometimes. Like if he saw something on the news that he wanted to talk to you about, or when he would go to church, he would like have two or three things ready to talk to people about, but he wasn't a big, like, spontaneous conversation haver. So how did he respond to you when you first started trying to be more than just a coworker, like talk about life or talk about the things you loved with him? Um, well, you know, a lot of times I think what endeared him to actually everybody at the station, um, you know, cause the clerks came in before the carriers. So there was only a few of us there early, but, um, and then of course when the carriers came in, he got to walk the accountables around and he got to spew stories to everybody (laughs) but in the mornings he would come up with all kinds of thoughts about oh and I know this story but probably one of the biggest things that um, joined us together was that I would play music on my phone and we would always play you know oldies and then eventually Ronnie Dove who ended up being you know we always said that we were gonna take the RV and go see Ronnie Dove in concert because he was so old he only toured on the east coast but yeah so that was that was good but um and then at lunchtime we would sometimes um it for a minute there when he packed his lunch because a lot of times he came home Mm -hmm. for lunch but when he packed lunch we would even do trivia so i think that 
um, a lot of times it was that we were able to be like a distraction from the chaos of the post office. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure after all those years being there that for him to find company in you was a big relief. Uh, I One of the gifts that you gave to him um, was that you started taking pictures and taking videos. Uh, and I say to him, you really gave those gifts to me. Because <laughs> I look back through our text thread and all I see is you kind of capturing these silly little things. You captured him telling stories at the post office. You would eventually you got to where you were friends with both he and my mom. You'd stop by the house and have coffee. And I remember meeting you through sending those. And I've wondered if you ever did that. Is that just something you do normally or was that something you were thinking you were intentional about sending those to me? So I do sometimes like to capture moments. And so, I mean, I was a photographer before I started the post office. So, um, but when it came to that kind of thing, the, f the videos and pictures and texts that I would send you was so you didn't think I was trying to steal your parents. <laughs> and I think I'd even texted that a different couple times, like, okay, I'm here. I don't think that I'm trying to, you know, dip their bank account or something. I'm well, you did have to learn mom's bank codes to get into her I did have to help her with her. her, yes, yes. And then write down the new passwords and then she'd forget. Yeah. That's right, yeah. I never, I never suspected you of any type of tomfoolery. I, so. I hoped I was transparent. <laughs> well, it, it was so meaningful to me to know they had, you know, they had community at their church and they had some friends in the neighborhood, but to know they had somebody, you know, dad eventually when he told stories about you just would glow. Like he would smile telling stories about his friendship with you. And I know mom too, like loved having somebody stop by. And so it became like, it, it became more than just, this guy at the post office sending me pictures. It became like family pretty quick. You guys started this. You were friends for several years before they started showing signs of growing older and what we eventually found out were fatal diseases. And I wonder, has, you know, mom started forgetting things and getting confused and eventually diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And the way I tell it, dad is like in the background just coughing. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't find out till later that he was also dealing with a fatal disease. And I wonder, you probably saw some of that coming on. And I don't know if there was a moment, I guess I want, have wondered, is there a moment where you thought maybe you should bow out or back away or maybe it would be too hard to be around them as things got worse? Did you have that moment or did you just dig in and decide to stay around? No, I think, it, I think by that point I'd already... Um, developed a love for your parents and so and that's the thing sometimes you can make a decision with a situation like that but sometimes it's just you just know that you're committed and so well, like with your mom I remember when we invited you guys over for a holiday meal and she sat the whole time and just watched conversation you could see signs that you know she was things were changing but no, in fact, most of the time I spent trying to can open myself into their life because I didn't want anybody taking advantage of them. It's like when I told your father, I can't fix everything, but just call me first. But I was already committed by then. They'd already, <laughs> they already hooked me. My parents had passed away um, while I was actually at the post office. 
um, couple, I, when I was, I'd started at Northland in 05. My mom died in 06. My dad died in 07. And so, you know, your dad blessed me with um, one time telling me that I, maybe I was the son he'd never had. And, I mean, that was an amazing gift. But I felt that, you know, I could have them be substitutes because, again, I didn't have to experience my parents aging. So, but no, they were, f they were easy to love. <laughs> I love to hear that. Um, that not everybody would, would make that move, uh, to, to embrace them like you did. And especially when it came to like sewer troubles, <laughs> like, like was ha by the time you found yourself like digging through their basement pipes were you already in or was that a decisive moment <laughs> it's funny I told Kelly I'd be back in a couple hours but it ended up being a three-day job with a 50-foot snake <laughs> into the backyard and we found a root but um you know it and maybe that's the people pleasing part of me I stopped short of you know, making it about m myself. And sometimes I do have to think, okay, am I doing this for another reason other than I just want to be helpful? And so, but with your parents, there was so much reciprocation. Again, I know there was times your dad was very angry with me at work. He did <laughs> not like me um, trying to turn his moods around. He was very sarcastic. He was very angry at work. And I tried to, and there's days he would leave and not want to talk to me for a week. But uh, again, that was he'd already endeared himself, and so it, yeah, it was too late at that point. Yeah, I I never know how to quite. I was just talking to somebody about how his. We were talking about how his grumpiness is. Oh, it was you? It was with you that <laughs> we were talking about his like. You, he was so fun to tease because he would get so mad, and then you would do it more because he just stayed in that grumpy persona, but that made it more fun. Uh, um, well, see, but then that played right into his um, sarcasm. Yeah. Which, again, he and I would contend that it was invented in the post office. <laughs> but even his, um, the interactions you would have with him at the disc golf, or at the um, miniature golf. golf. Yeah. I mean, he was always known as the angry white guy. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, and your Unless mom. Unless you were Archie Griffin and he came up. He loved seeing Archie Griffin there, so. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> you get real up. friendly when any former Buckeyes came by. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I want to talk about, you know, you mentioned you lost your own parents kind of prematurely. Like you lost them to things that took them before they should have gone. Maybe. Uh, I wonder if your own sorrows, you know, cause this whole podcast project is about what makes us stay together how do we get better at withness? And a lot of people who had, have known pain are kind of naturally better at being with people in their pain. So I wonder if you've reflected on, you know, did you learn anything from the experience of losing your parents that made you more likely to show up when hard things happen for people? Until you asked those questions, maybe I never consciously thought of it. Um, I think that going through losing my parents, um, I did have a counselor that was very beneficial to help me go through the stages of grief, because everyone goes through that in different ways, Sure, and gave me tools that I, I was able to um, be able to 
move past all that and hopefully be healthier. But it does give you experience. And sometimes it can be negative and it, going forward, I can see where if you experienced it once that maybe you wouldn't want to put yourself in that position again. Um, it's probably a very individual thing, but I guess to me, if I, I guess it's turning out if I care about somebody, then it doesn't matter it, that you, you, you make it through the moment. And a lot of times it's not, I think you'd even said, was it a conscious decision? It's not, you're in the moment and you're kind of left with, okay, do I just completely detached or I'm in it and I just, I was in it. And you know, for people who don't know you, they don't know that you were in it with my parents, but you've also been in it with your wife's family in recent days. And with her, you've, you've been in it with other family members of yours. Like you just, you are a person who shows up for the people you love. I wonder, do you have an experience of witness where you felt loved and like you belonged that you want to pass? Like, do you have any, any good examples that you've held on to of people doing that for you? Yeah, I think it starts, it definitely starts with my parents. And it is interesting how we, when we get older, we see what struggles our parents went through. As a child, you don't see or understand just what they're going through. You see it as a child. And looking back, uh, it's amazing my parents went through what they did. And, and I know they struggled with depression even later in life. But at the time, unconditional love was what I felt, what my siblings felt. And that, I guess, having that, and then when I got into other relationships, when I graduated and got into, um, uh, you know, future marriages, it, the absence of unconditional love is remarkable. <laughs> because then you're like, wait a minute, that's, I thought everybody can, you know, supports each other this way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, having that from, from my parents, I think, probably is why. Yeah, we've. It seems like even with the people we're not talking about parents with, we end up talking about our family of origin a lot, just because those those things form us, and what we see forms us. And we, I think, we either live out of what we don't want to be or what, what we want to be, but they certainly make us make us what we are. Um, well, part of what I thought of talking to you is just because you're good at witness. You've, and we need to learn from some experts on this. Um, so I was thinking specifically of. Uh, you were there during one of the hardest days of my life so far. Um, I told kind of the broad strokes of my story, but the day that ended up being my dad's kind of last cognizant day, uh, I texted you and said, he's going downhill, things are crazy, and you showed up at the house. On this day, I was trying to manage 75 things. I was trying to get him a hospital bed. I was trying to figure out whether we were in the last days or whether I needed to get him into long-term care and then trying to manage mom's stress. We had an ambulance come by. Like it was, he had fallen. Uh, it had been a, a wild day and you showed up and were just calm. <laughs> and at least that's how it felt to me because I was running around wild and what I remember is that you you took mom and just went for a walk down the block for a little bit. Um, and then 
you know, dad was actively dying. I just wasn't really aware of it because I was trying to manage her stress. And you just sat with him and played a couple of his favorite songs. And I wonder if you think about that day, like if you, because I experienced you as a, a, a calming presence. Did you feel calm? Because that particularly is the kind of day that we very rarely end up in with each other, <laughs> you know, just. Right. So I wonder, stepping into that and, and being there that day, was there something you found in yourself uh, that helped you be with us that day? Well, I think the, f the first thing is because you and your family had already made me feel comfortable there, I didn't feel out of place. In a moment like that, it, you, yeah, it's, it's even hard for me to, to think about because it was that remarkable of a moment. And I just, probably the m most incredible moment was when your father was gasping, he had just fallen. Your mother, I think you had even given her a little bit of something to calm mm -hmm. herself. And your father, in his gasping, wanted to be able to pull up a song. So he had me pull up the Softly As I Leave You, and he was singing it to your mother. And I, in those moments, it was some of the last words that he spoke. Mm -hmm. And but in the moment, I didn't know any of, you know, just that this would be that moment. But I guess I was just in, okay, how, how can I help? But how can I be there with, for him? Because he was comfortable with me. You could tell he was in distress. But it was so important. He was reaching his hand out to your mom's because he was upset that she was upset that he fell. And... I don't know, make it up as you go along. <laughs> and, you know, I was there with him, and that's all I could do. Yeah, and I think I remember, like, looking over at you and just being like, oh, Blum is, like, he's he's present <laughs> <laughs> in this. And I I specifically just didn't feel able to, to be that for lots of reasons that day. But I'm so glad you were able to be present with him. Um and I, I think it does, it loans to that, that we need community, right? Like it, our little, yeah. <laughs> the delicacy of our little family three-legged table, we really needed a fourth leg. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could uh, be like a, a leaf, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you were a, a great uh, extension, for yeah. sure. Um, we, had, we had talked on the, on the first episode about how if we're not able to like be with people through the fire, then it's hard for us to like be there through healing too. Um, but I wonder, and this is not just my parents, but in any of these situations you, where you have shown up with people, you know, you kind of talked about like getting to be a part of a moment like that. Can you think of any other like gifts that you've gotten when you have shown up to other people's pain? Um, uh, maybe I would just first thought go back to that it, gives you experience for the next time and not like anybody's looking for those kind of experiences but it does um, make it easier and then you know depending on so many things it's it's if people aren't able to be there and present with somebody 
they might be going through something in their life at the time that's not allowing them to be present, allowing them to, to be available. And I think um, maybe that's where I read the situation. And you know, the last thing I would want to do is force myself into a situation. But if there's, it's like whatever I can do to help kind of thing. But I, I know that there's been times in my life that there's, I would not have been able maybe to do that. Maybe it comes with age. Maybe it comes with experience, to your point. Um, watching my mom take her last breath. Um, uh, Kelly's mom this year. But up until your father, I think there, there was a few experiences. But I do believe that at that point, because I had a love for your father and your mother, that it, it was what I, I felt honored to do, if that makes sense. As we talk about this, things that I thought about as you were there with your parents. I think first off, I really did uh, feel a sense of amazement in the deliberate process you were taking to be there for your parents. So I think I'd even told you where it was, if someone needs a model to be able to say, this is the way that you can honor your parents at a time when they need you, then um, I, I feel like you were that model um, when I would show up and you were that, you know, walking your mom through a memory book or helping your dad in some way. It, it, you were committed and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to be there for them. But I was amazed by it too because again, I was trying to get to know you also even though we were getting to know each other. Um, but I, I was... I mean, it maybe seems strange to say impressed, but I was just, it made me feel good because everyone experiences sometimes when people aren't that caring or loving as people are reaching the end of their life. Um, more recently, my, my wife's uh, family had some very unloving moments, and it's, I know if you didn't have rain, you wouldn't appreciate the sun. If you didn't see wonderful experiences like yours, uh, if you didn't see the, the maybe ugly ones, then you really wouldn't appreciate. But I was really struck by that. And how, how is it that you came to that, that you even knew what to do? <laughs> I always love to hear it from your side because it's funny to me that it sounds like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> oh, you, it, you were really in the flow. It's like you said you thought you were lost that yeah. last day that your father, within 24 hours, passed away. If I, I know that you, had, you were taking care of things. You did not seem panic. You were not... Um, I, you seemed like you were just right in the flow, um, but I'm sure that you, things were chaotic in your mind. Yeah, I. I think I'm still I'm still answering that question for myself, like, what happened? But I will say part of that is I was operating out of something larger than myself for sure. Um, I had I think I've told you this story about you know I I grew up with an older sister, and she died early of breast cancer, and. The thing I told her on her last night was that I would take care of our parents. And I think in the moment I meant like in the immediate aftermath of grief that yeah. I would be present. But 
the more I thought about what I said, I think I was, I also meant forever. <laughs> you know, I also meant that whatever burden she had carried for their sake, that I would carry that now. Um, and so I had that driving me. I think I also was growing in my own appreciation of my parents. And so I, I was loving them in a, what was kind of a new way to me to just fully appreciate them. And my mom had also been a very good caregiver to, I had seen her do that with her mom and I had watched her do that with Chris, my sister. And I had seen her become her best self through caregiving. I have some very specific memories of Chris's last year and last days when mom could have, could have lost it, could have given up, you know, times where she could have lashed out. Um, but in those moments, she actually became her sort of best, most loving self. And so I had a picture in my head that it was possible <laughs> to do any of this with grace. Um, but yeah, when I look back at it, what I see is is chaos. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I have to work really hard to see what I call the catching. <laughs> you know, I've talked before about that day dad fell. I just so happened to have come in the door right before it, he fell. And that's a that's something I got right, that I, I followed my instinct to go right to their house that day. Uh, and I think for all the times I... I do have a list of things I got wrong, but I try to at least once in a while see the list. And I, I think anybody who does any kind of showing up for people, you know, even when you're stepping into a situation to care, you're going to get something wrong. Yeah. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to overstep. There's a chance you're going to be awkward for a little bit, but the being there is what matters. Um, and so I just kept, trying to be there <laughs> yeah, that's well, my that's my best answer i like that because again at the time I, I i didn't know you as 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 well as someone i would have known for years and years but um yeah, i mean it was remarkable it, it really was and i i know that there was times you were frustrated i remember your mom over filling the she wanted to always make me coffee when I came over. <laughs> yes. Well, I had to make Blum coffee. <laughs> and she was so committed. And we had bought a different coffee maker. And yes. you were, it was like one of those things where you could just be calm and everything's okay. And then I think that was one of the moments where you were like, okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it was always the little things. <laughs> you know, I think that's the thing about, um, you know, any kind of like intense situation like that, or when you're in a, like a long stretch, it's always the stupid little things that push you <laughs> over the edge. You. <laughs> you know, when it's giant, you find your way. But that day, I I just saw in my brain how much she wanted to make you coffee. And I also saw all of the coffee grounds and the water, water going everywhere. all over the <laughs> That's what I saw was going to happen. And See, so I, I and did whatever I could to prevent the mess. And that might have been the same day that we walk out back and you're throwing the bone or whatever with Archie and yeah. you said 
These are the times that I love my sister, but I'm very mad at her that she's not here to help me with <laughs> yes. this. Well, that was the other thing is I, you know, even as I say, I was trying to do what I thought Chris would have probably done. Right. But I also think she would have been better at it is one of the things that haunts me just because she she was a more of a take charge kind of person. And I think she could have things where I was maybe too slow to move or where I was hesitant. She could have maybe been a little more. We would have been a good team, especially, I think. And so I, I felt inadequate going into it because I just thought she could have uh, well, she could have done it better. After <laughs> all the stories that your father would tell about Chris and the, what you've spoken of her, I wish I would have gotten to meet her. But I think that you're maybe where you think you weren't as quick to think. You were more deliberate in thinking. And I, I, I think that also has value, too. Yeah. I also, there's a chance we would have fought through the, through <laughs> who, knows, who knows how it would have been. No. Cause you hear that happening for sure. Yes. Um, but yeah, we would, we would have brought different, different gifts and I sometimes missed her being able to take charge for sure. So let's talk. Okay. One more question. I have you, you hijacked you. my podcast. I totally did. <laughs> so Archie, yes. tell the story of how it came because if you talk about withness on a canine level, I mean, uh, all the little video clips, and they'd never had grandchildren, but they had a grand dog. Yeah. And what is it that led you to get him and the interaction? And wasn't that also something that maybe helped you through that time? Oh, for sure. And I, I think we, we've been talking about maybe doing a whole season on, on dogs and cats and pets because it's so, it's so critical. Uh, you know, um, mom and dad were taking care of Chris's dog, and I tell the story all the time. Daisy, the dog, who you've met, Daisy. You met Daisy. Yeah. I videoed Daisy. She yes, was I a did. sweet dog. Yes, she was. And she died the day after my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which just felt cruel and unfair. Uh, but mom almost immediately started talking about getting a dog, wanting a new dog. And so as soon as I moved back to Columbus, that was on the priority list. And my sister had bought, we had grown up with a Sheltie dog. And my sister had bought that dog with her very first paycheck. That's my memory of it. But I'm sure that her paycheck from the Chinese restaurant at the French market didn't wasn't enough to buy a dog. So I'm sure my parents, maybe maybe they supplemented that. Um, but she had bought the family a Sheltie. And so I thought, OK, I'm going to go find a Sheltie and get us a family dog. And he immediately took to mom. He immediately understood that she... I don't know, needed his attention or, or something. But, you know, Shelties are very, like, they pick certain humans they like. And so, fortunately, he picked her. And I think for her, he was just wordless love. Like, she didn't have to say the right thing. She didn't have to remember his name. She didn't have to put the words in the right order. She could just hold him and play with him. Um, and then he absolutely was a, a stress relief uh, to both dad and to, and to me. Um, cause dogs are funny. And so I think in a lot of ways he was, he just brought joy. I always say we just needed a joy infusion and he, he brought that for sure. Uh, there was a day when dad, I don't know if you know this story. There was a day where dad's oxygen machine wasn't working and I had left Archie with him while mom and I went grocery shopping and 
when we got back, dad said, you wouldn't believe it. Like my machine stopped working. He said, but the dog came and sat right by me and calmed me down while I fixed it. Oh my God. And he said, I, I kind of wish my machine would stop working again. Cause I just want the dog to sit with me. <laughs> um, he was just the dog. I think dogs just, you know, animals, they just make houses feel like homes. And so for all of the the chaos this little dog was just so grounding to all of us it was just a relief from from the stress of it all so i think it i i like to say that is maybe why he barks so much <laughs> he, he he took a lot of nervous energy onto his 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 little dog self so but well yeah. and you couldn't have scripted it any better because he really did get him along with them yeah. he did not get along with me no and that was part of they, they would laugh and laugh because archie would hide under your leg and <laughs> did not want anything to do with me and I, that's right i'm not offended kind of he was suspicious he thought you were trying to steal from the bank account uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe he knew more than you, what you know <laughs> hopefully you never find out <laughs> But he was wonderful. He knew you and were a mail. He knew you were a mail carrier. Dad was retired, so he would let him in. But yeah, right. I. It was the odor. It was the pheromones <laughs> that I gave off. No, but it, the breed, the the timing, everything. But um, I don't know. And I, again, I can't speak to the times that I know. Or how many? How often? There were so many times that I would see you when you had to take a moment for yourself and he was there for you out back. Yes. So it's so wonderful. Yeah. I say he saved my life starting then, but especially in grief, just cause he got me outside. Um, you know, I think about this. I didn't know this about dad until you told me that dad used to go out and watch the sunrise, uh, every morning at the post office. And then my mom especially was comforted by sitting outside. Uh, and it maybe feels like, boring to say but it it I just started following their lead of trying to get outside as much as possible and in when they both died uh having a dog that had to go outside and walk four or five times a day pro I think saved my life like I don't that's not an exaggeration so um I wondered if we could I don't know if it'll translate but <laughs> I did want to finish with funny stories okay I've had some people tell me I want to listen to the podcast but I know it's going to be sad <laughs> So I was like, okay, we'll try to tell a funny story every time. I was thinking of, you went and sat with mom at the Honda dealership once. I did. And could you tell, I don't know if it'll translate. I think it's really funny. We'll see if it translates to funniness here on the microphone. Well, the first thing is that we needed to take it there because, again, for the 10th time maybe, the... Uh, tire indicators were saying yeah. that something was wrong yeah. and they were very upset. And so this was just to, just to mom's credit. This was a lifelong thing she had. <laughs> this was not a symptom of Alzheimer's. If, if a light came on in the car or she thought she heard any kind of bad noise, she was at the mechanics. Uh, it was just a lifelong concern for her. And so <laughs> especially those last few years, any that, that Honda had a way of having that tire light come on. It did. And she liked getting it fixed. Well, and it wasn't, um, I guess that makes sense why she wasn't so um, out of place yeah. when we were dropping it off at Roush. Yeah. Um, one th funny thing that happened when it came for them, when we picked up the card to, to leave and we had to pay, she had a credit card to pay. 
And she turned to me and she said, Tom doesn't know I have this. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm surprised you even know you have it. But before that happened, we were sitting in the uh, part of the waiting room. And I can't even remember if it was, I think it was that the gentleman, because we just happened to be facing the restrooms, but we were talking and kind of waiting for things to pass. And all of a sudden, a man walks out, and we both happen to just be, our sight is directed toward this man, and he comes out, and he's zipping up his fly as he's coming out, and <laughs> she thought that was the funniest thing. And um, it was just one of those moments that you're just like, okay, that that was meant to be. <laughs> yes. That was good comedic interjection. <laughs> yeah. She could be. I, I try to tell people there were times where she was just so clever. Um and it, it wasn't, you know, maybe some of it, like her guards were down a little bit. So, so that's where some of the funny came from. But uh, I, I think I've told you the story of the grilled cheeses, but it's one of my favorites. So I'll, I'll just record it here while we're talking about her. Yeah. Um, but I had made her this grilled cheese that we called it gourmet because it's like we added mozzarella. <laughs> like, you know, like we added a couple other cheeses to it. And so I made it for her and she... She was like, where did you learn to make grilled cheeses like this? And I was like, well, I learned it from you. You taught me. And she, just as quick as she could, said, I wish I could have met me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it was, it was like so poignant and perfect. And uh, it was, a, she served up a gourmet gourmet one-liner there oh, well, it's a good thing you were paying attention <laughs> that's right yeah i'm glad i glad i captured it well i'm so glad that you reminded me of the story that we were trying to fix a outdoor light and trying to figure out exactly what we needed to do to be able to make it functional again and your mom had slipped off to the basement and we didn't know it and she came up with a brand new light that was in yeah. the basement amongst the chaos of their basement yes and it was amazing. It made no sense how she was able to go down there and and rem she could she couldn't have told you who was in the living room with her, but she went down and found this light fixture that she had probably bought ten years ago, and knew exactly which corner of the basement it was. Um, yeah, I tell that story as a way to say like you just hope does not die. It will not. It'll just show up. So, I I want to on record just thank you so much for the for being an, uh, an expert witness, sir, <laughs> with my folks. And it's not even, it's not even a question for me that your family, like you are, like, I'm glad dad saw you as a son, but I, I overwhelmingly feel like you're my brother. So thank mm. you. Thank you. And thank you for thinking that I did a good job because again, you don't plan those things. And, um, I'm just glad that I was, able to help yeah and you didn't you didn't use one accent during this whole recording well <laughs> and not i didn't hear a profanity and none zero <laughs> <laughs> we win <laughs> thank you I wish I could have met me. How <laughs> iconic is that? That's going to be ringing through my ears. I'm going to be thinking about that all the time. Yeah. I. It's one of my favorites. And she said it. 
I mean, I mean it when I say she said it quick, like it was just an instinct she had and it was so poetic and perfect. Um, and I think she said it for her reasons, but it's also so true that a lot of us don't appreciate who we are. Like we, you know, hers was very specific that she had this, this divide in her brain between the person she used to be and the person she was on that day and was very clear about the gifts that her past self had. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for all of us a little bit, right? Is that we're, we're prone to missing the goodness we bring and we should all maybe try to meet ourselves a little bit more. <laughs> it just really, it felt there, it felt like it held so much truth to it that it can't even like the silliness of it is one thing, but then also like the, there's a sadness to it too, yeah. that we don't always meet ourselves. It yeah. just felt like it was packed full of meaning. So yeah, she was good at dropping those. Uh, I don't think Blum and I ended up talking about it, but there was one time where she hugged me in the kitchen and said, um, you're my favorite. <laughs> Because you're the only one left. Oh. <laughs> Goodness gracious. And I, I don't even remember what I did, but I just remember like, I, I have to like bookmark this in my brain. Oh my gosh. If, even if you didn't consciously do that, you couldn't help it. <laughs> yes. I mean, and they were so just incisive and that I, that's why I started taking notes through all this was because so many times it was so mysteriously clear the things she said and did did you uh, always know that you shared that wit with your mom because obviously you're a wordsmith and a half so I honestly so this is maybe for a longer conversation but keeping notes on it is what made me remember it and one of the big things I have realized going back and looking at my notes over those years is I probably there's so many good things that I only remember because I took notes through those years of caregiving. And I think I look back and I'm like, oh, I wish I would have taken my notes my whole life. Because one of the things that happens in your brain is you only, you remember the hardest stuff most clearly. So, but what's funny is when I talk to my friends about my mom, they all talk about her being funny. Mm. But to me, it was just, she's my mom. Sure. And right. so... I Parents knew. aren't fully human to us either. That's so right. And natural. so I think it took me way too long to figure out both her and my dad, like to see that they were not just like funny, but clever mm -hmm. and incisive. And I think if I had notes <laughs> for the whole of my life, you'd have the evidence. Of I'd it. have way more evidence. Yeah. And so uh, it's got me all shook up in my head about just the records we keep and in our brain and how faulty they can be. Um, I want to just close with just one thing Blum said that I have also been like holding on to, which is just, he talks about how he was comfortable enough in our family and in the house so that he, it wasn't, it wasn't hard to step into the painful moments. Um, that makes me want to build more and more of those kind of friendships. Sure. Right. I mean, did you hear that as anything Oh, absolutely. Particular, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, it's almost like he earned the right to be part of the hard things or he even in his own heart, he was like, I can, I feel like I can be here because I know these people and I'm comfortable here. And this is, this is something that matters to me 
on a holistic level. Yeah, it's like he already belonged. And so because he belonged, he was able to be there. And so it means that we don't we don't wait until things are hard to build those kind of friendships, that we build them now so that it's easier to step in uh, when we really need each other. So I hope we all hear that uh, through this conversation. We're actually going to close out our, our first season next episode with reflecting back on what we've learned about how to be with each other better to pay some attention to some of the very practical things that our guests have have told us through their stories are ways we can be with each other so tune in next week for our last episode of the first season